This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the second last episode of Einstein A Go Go for 2014. Can you believe it? Felt like just 9.85 yesterday. But it's not. I, I'm Dr. Shane. Uh, big thank you to the uh, apparently the A team for um, radiotherapy, as they call themselves. Although, as a long-term listener of their program, uh, they say that every week, regardless of who's in the studio. So you know, <laughs> a little bit of rivalry. I'm joined in my studio though by the great Dr. Crystal. Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Shane. You're perky. I am. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and Chris KP. Hello. <laughs> I feel like I need to counter the perk somehow. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fair call. It <laughs> We have Liv doing our Twitter feed, and we were supposed to have Dr. Lauren in, but um, oh. she sent me a last-minute text message. Um, she's got a, and you can see my fingers going up, folks, migraine. Yeah, she uh, she's actually countering the perk quite well. <laughs> I'll get back to normal. Way. Yeah, and uh, big loud hello to Dr. Lauren if you're listening. Uh, I hope there's some that. pharmaceuticals that can help you out. <laughs> yeah. Better living through chemistry. <laughs> yes, indeed. But folks, it is um, it is a show today like no other. It's the one we get excited about each year, even though we don't do it every year. Um, <laughs> this is what I call my fallback show. So if absolutely no one turns up. This is what I would do. It's the back in time episode that's where our oh, hang on should we have some theme music oh yes hang on, here we go Reminds me of my childhood. Amazing stuff. So this is where the Einstein team actually gets to go back 2,000 years, and there's no reason why I chose that. Nothing to religion at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> and take some technology or ideas back that we think might have a profound and appropriate impact on our society if we were to introduce them. So in the spirit of the show, we're going to ditch um, news until the end of the program put it forward in time if that makes sense and uh, we're each going to take back three items so i'm going to start things off because that way i'll give my colleagues here time to um prepare um because chris has got that look like he um can i just ask a clarifying question yes you can because if we're going back in time 2000 years are we going back in time 2000 years and staying right where we are geographically or are we going back in time and we could be like anywhere in the world like where in the world are we going i mean because if you think about it back then you know Mm. uh rome was the biggest city Mm. 2000 years ago but China still had most of the population. Mm. You know, there's mm. probably only around 200 million people, 250 million people in the whole world. Mm. So are we in the middle of a savannah? It's a damn good question. Are we right here in Melbourne? I think uh, you can go anywhere you like, madam. I suppose if I'm going back in time, I should be able to choose wherever I go. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair call. The Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting back. And she's <laughs> taken back a surfboard <laughs> and a bikini. And, and I'll be on the beach <laughs> for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can go anywhere you like, Dr. Crystal. You might want to go where you might think you'll have the most impact on the future culture of the world. So as you say, some of these big empires, especially uh, you know, in China and um, in Europe, are the ones that were really shaping the way things happen. So anyway, let me start you guys off. Uh, the first thing I thought I would take back is something called the thin lens formula. bum Hmm. Don't get too excited. Um, so this is what will be. So, for example, if you were to devise someone's glasses and sort out you know, what sort of glasses they'd use, you'd use this type of mathematics. A little bit more complicated, but this sort of mathematics. 
Now, back in the day, 2,000 years ago, they didn't know about this, so um, they weren't able to predict what sort of images or size of images or where images would would be um, as a result of, of lenses. Now, the interesting thing is um, they were able to make lenses over, you know, 2,700 years ago. So mm-hmm. lenses were well and truly in play long before my little piece of paper flew in someone's window with the thin lens formula. And, you know, look, I'm not saying Archimedes would have grabbed it, but, you know, someone appropriate at the time. So the idea then, of course, if you think about it, is given you know um, if you put an object in front of a lens, you know what you're going to get on the other side of the lens. Mm. So this this is optics. What sort of things can you produce? Well, as I said, you can produce glasses, which is nice. Which I think is important, because I was oh. talking about this with a friend yesterday, and that's what she said. She said, I'd have to take my glasses, otherwise yeah. I'd be dead pretty <laughs> yeah. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the ability to see clearly, the ability to read in your older age, although 2,000 years ago I, I, I suspect most of us were dead before that became a problem. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, well, the you know, life expectancy was sort of mid-30s at most, so, yes. you know, you, you, people didn't get short, sorry, didn't get long-sighted. Yes. Um, they only got short-sighted, so that was less of a problem. But there are two other things you can do with um, understanding how a lens works, the equations, mathematics around the lens, which are important. The first is you could build or design a telescope. Now, to me, back back then, um, keeping in mind that it was you know almost 1,500 years later when Galileo first pointed a telescope. So he didn't make the first telescope, in mm-hmm. case you ever wonder, folks. He did not make the first telescope. But he was the first to point it towards the heavens and start looking at interesting things like Jupiter and Jupiter having its own moons and looking like a little mini solar system in itself. So you could build yourself a telescope. And if you think about it 2,000 years ago when everyone thought, um, this was before Copernicus came along and said, hang on, it doesn't make sense that everything goes around the Earth. Maybe things go around the Sun. If you could go back and start saying, well, hang on a minute, I'm observing all these really amazing things, and it doesn't. It really doesn't feel like we're the centre of the universe anymore. In fact, it looks like we're a pretty insignificant kind of. Then you could corner. get dragged before an Inquisition first. Yeah. So look, most of these things we're taking back, folks, will result in us being um, burnt, <laughs> stoned. Um, in Chris KP's case, probably drowned. In the hope that he's not a witch. At best, laughed at. I suspect. Actually. <laughs> um, so telescopes is one of the things you get right. from the thin lens formula, and of course, on the flip side of that, is the ability to design microscopes. So when you change the positioning of those lenses, you go from having a object uh, infinitely far away, so out, out in space, to an object that you're looking at which is really close, and and that's a, a different game again. So these these sorts of bits of information that we didn't develop until, you know, whoa, whoa, you know, literally 1,800 or so years later um, would profoundly change mm. um, those things, because think about what you could learn with a microscope or a telescope 2,000 years ago. That's my first one. I'm just going to add, if you're going to take back an equation, then you might need something that I was thinking of bringing back. Pencil? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. The concept of zero. Yes. Yes. Great call. Because yeah. the actual concept of zero um, uh, didn't really exist 2,000 years ago. I mean, there were ancient civilizations like the Sumerians and the Mayans who mm. had invented zero as a placeholder. So, if, like, you had, you know, like yes. 10 or 100, like, there were zeros on the end. But actually, zero as a concept itself, as a number, really didn't start happening until, um, you know, in the first century, but, you know, later than 2,000 years. And, mm. and so it was um, Indian mathematicians who actually first, you know, we have the first records of them recognising 
zero as a mathematical concept. But, you know, it actually didn't really catch on until Western society, until well into the 1200s and, you know, even mm, into really? much, much later when it actually hits sort of mathematics when it starts getting, you know, we started to involve, you know, calculus and, and Cartesian um, equations yes. and geometry. And at zero, Dr. Shane, is essential to algebra. So if you're going to take back yes. an equation, you better make sure you take back the concept of zero. And also, without zero, you don't also have the concepts of positive numbers and negative numbers. Yeah. And then if you don't have negative numbers, then you don't have the ability to actually do really complex calculus. Well, there's also useful irrational numbers as well. Irrational start, numbers. Start, um, zero becomes a thing that you need. It's a tool you need to understand most mm. mathematics. I would have thought it was a tool you need to um, bargain in the marketplace. I've got five bucks. Uh, I'm going to buy two apples for two dollars <laughs> and one peach for one dollar. How much have I got left? Well, I don't know. We don't have number zero. Yeah. <laughs> less than one. Yeah, yeah, less than one. Doesn't look like you've got much at all, pal, but we can't describe it. I guess, I, I'm sure people had concepts of debt in terms of negative numbers. Like yeah. that. But, but in terms of being able to actually um, have complex... I mean, it was, there's, this theory, there's this idea that if we didn't mm. have the number, the concept of zero, that algebra would have basically stalled in sort of about yeah. the mm. sort of early 800s. It wouldn't have really progressed much further than that. And, of course, without calculus, you wouldn't have physics, you wouldn't have engineering, you wouldn't have computers and you wouldn't have the internet. So if you wanted to accelerate, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and for me, that's the pinnacle of human achievement. So what else is good about zero, going back in time with, it's very easy to carry. I know. It's essentially hand yeah. luggage. Yeah, <laughs> travelling very light. And the, the interesting thing is there, Dr. Crystal, is I, in terms of bringing nothing to the table for this discussion, I would have expected <laughs> Chris KP to have done that. And that well, may done, still happen. I've done less. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I would take back in time. Nothing. Nothing. I like yeah. it. And yeah, it, is, it, is, it is the basis for, uh, for modern mathematicians, you know. They love zero. Chris KP. Uh, well, Dr. Crystal's earlier question about where we're going um, is actually very pertinent to what I'm about to suggest. I, I was going to take uh, penicillin back with me because penicillin, which was extracted from penicillium, I mean, the mould is out there. It was back, you know, for mm, heaven knows yeah. how many. Probably, probably everywhere back then. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. yes. So it's not hard to get. Um, but nobody had noticed it was particularly useful and they certainly hadn't tried to extract anything from it. But the question then is, uh, I mean, you've, you've got to imagine the time. As you say, standard of living uh, and life expectancy was extremely different and all that kind of thing. Um, and if you did get an infection, that was frequently a death sentence. It was certainly a losing a limb mm, sentence. Yeah. Um, losing a limb with bad anaesthetic, by the way, as well, <laughs> sentence. Anyway, so the idea of saying, now, this minor injury you've got now is, in fact, l- probably going to get treated and you can then go on with your life reasonably normally is a massive step forward. In fact, one of the, I think, the first um, patient who was actually treated with trial uh, penicillin in 1941, maybe, early 40s, um, was scratched by a rose. And here's the crazy story. When they were treating this guy, um, they actually didn't have enough to treat him with. But, of course, a lot of the penicillin goes straight through your system. And so they would then gather his urine, take it back to the lab, re-extract the penicillin, go back and inject it back into him. And there was, you know, progressively less each time. No, that's recycling. Yeah, exactly. Well, the tragic thing is that they actually did run out eventually, uh, and he died. But they were, wow. before he died hit this massive infection on his face from, from a cut from a rose thorn, a minor cut, um, had, but it was getting better and better and better and better and better, and then they ran out and it got worse and worse and he carked it. Um, but the reason the place is interesting to me is because, and I don't know if you know this, Australia was the first country in the world to produce on an industrial scale penicillin for civilian purposes. <laughs> Nodding profusely, good. Hmm. Um, and so my first thought was, well, where would penicillin be an easy sell? Well, oh, where I, it- I believe that was at CSL. It was, I believe, yes, I think so. Um, an easy sell of this stuff in the past would be the Roman army. 
Oh yeah, they love it. On a better field, yeah. yeah. Hi, we, all these guys that are, that are basically dying or useless to you, we can fix mm. them in a matter of days or weeks. Um, but then I don't know if that's a good way of using it. It would be an easy sell, but is that a good thing to do? Are you better off not just going giving it to farmers, for example, uh, who are actually producing food and uh, and contributing mm. to society in that way? Um, I, I don't know what the best use of it is. I would give it to mothers. Mother's a great example. I would, if yeah. I was going back in time yeah. and I wanted to make a difference to society, I would reduce infant mortality through birth mm. by, you know, by things like um, penicillin to prevent post-birth um, infections. Which, which because was a, a massive problem. And as a tool of yeah. social engineering, if you... Um, if you have uh, less uh, mortality rates in births, then you might actually have less births at all. Yes. So instead of women having to have 15 to 20 pregnancies just to produce you know, a family. Mm. Yeah. Very inefficient. Which is incredibly inefficient. I mean, infant mortality back then would have been up around 75%. So 75% of, of babies would never have seen their first birthday 2,000 years ago, you know, for all those kinds of mm. reasons. So from my perspective, I mean, yes, I can see the market value of um, <laughs> selling penicillin. I'm not proud of that concept. To, no. But, <laughs> and, but in terms of actually sculpting the society yes. we live in, I think yes. that potentially using that for um, preventing uh, infections in, in mothers and in um, early children would be actually well, incredibly this, significant. And this ties back to, to Shane's earlier point too, that uh, in order to, to make this cell uh, to whoever it was to, you'd have to kind of explain them the idea of bacteria. Which, of course, you know, whilst the concept of things out there that, you know, that mightn't be easily seen was probably, what was around actually, um, the idea of actually being able to see them is a whole different kettle of fish and the microscope is when that becomes useful. The idea of being able to see a bacterial cell with a cell wall, which is the thing that is disrupted when you use penicillin. That's the thing. It can't make a cell wall properly, so it can't actually grow big enough to do stuff. Um, the idea of showing someone that and saying, see this thing, that's what makes you sick, and then being able to prove that in some way would mm. be a, get a long way to actually understand understanding why this stuff does what it does and in fact just why it is that you know there is a whole other world of stuff in and on us that would have been totally under undervalued i have to say i have this image of you chris kp <laughs> on the side of one of those shonky <laughs> magician type you know chris kp's wonder ointment um you know going through the streets of rome um so I, I think it's hard to get that image out of the head i'm I fine find. with it <laughs> So, yes, that's um, (laughs) interesting. Well, an interesting start, folks. Um, We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back with more stuff that we're uh, taking back in time. It is the back in time episode. It's the one where, you know, bottom line is we didn't bother getting any guests this week, so we thought we'd actually do some work, which, uh, you know, after 40-odd weeks for the year is not a bad call. So you're listening to 3 Triple R at Einstein and Go-Go, and here's some uh, music for you. Enjoy. Three... Triple R. Ah. Back, you're listening to Three Triple R, folks, and uh, we're going back in time today. It is today, tonight. Oh, whoops. <laughs> hey, it's community radio station. It's, all, it's all relative, right? It's time travel. Oh, there we go. Uh, Chris and I were having a back-in-time moment earlier because I played a track that we haven't heard in a while, and we thought we'd play the whole thing, but then Chris and I decided maybe not. I'm torn, because it, it is awesome. Huey Lewis and the News were big back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Come on. If you're not standing up, stand up. You can't, you can't be embarrassed if this is playing already, so just get up and dance. So we just we love the first couple of lines, folks. Just listen to yeah. them and the times in them. They're great. <laughs> yes. me, doctor, where are we going this time? Is this a 
1999? Holy crap, I wish it was back then. It seemed like a long time into the future. Oh, dear me, it's sad, isn't it? We've all grown old somehow. I don't know when it happened. Um, for me, three years ago. But uh, <laughs> I bet you guys. Slow learner. Ah, uh, well. Now, uh, I've got my second item to take back in time 2,000 years. Uh, here is something that I think will be particularly um, of interest. Now, folks, I'm going to get you to imagine this particular idea. It's a, a mathematical idea that... Um, essentially was around uh, about the 3rd century BC-ish. So what I want you to do is I want you to imagine a, um, a cone, like, you know, a party hat. Okay, so a cone. And I want you to take a knife to that cone and slice through it and make sure you go through the side but then also through the circle at the bottom. Dr. Crystal tried and just whacked the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so you slice through the party hat just like you're taking down someone's head, basically. And, and so go through, through the side of the cone but also slice through the circle at the bottom. Now, in doing that, the, the kind of weird horseshoe shape that you've just managed to slice out of the cone is called a parabola. And this is a very, very special shape in mathematics. So in terms of the equation that you need for that, it's simple. It's y equals x squared. So if you think about it, if x was to equal 2, y could equal 4. If x equals 3, y equals 9. So you can see that y is going up much faster than the next. So it's an unusual equation very useful but um the idea of a parabola or a parabolic object has incredible uses and so the one um, thing about a parabola is that if you make it into a three-dimensional object and and have this parabolic shape so so take that sort of weird curve you had before and just rotate it so that it makes something like a bit like a bowl yeah um then what will happen is if you take light from a very distant object so say from the sun and you shine it into into that bowl it will be focused to a point now this is um, really interesting because depending on exactly how you shape that bowl the point can be within the bowl or the point can be sitting outside the bowl somewhere and this gives us an incredible series of options um, to do things so the one that I think is most important if you think about where we're going back 2000 years a lot of disease a lot of issues around cleanliness and hygiene um, this gives you a very simple um, free energy free way of boiling water yeah okay so if you make one of these parabolic mirrors out of a, a even mildly reflective surface and of course we know that they were able to yep. produce metallic surfaces back then you can reflect that down onto a, a source of water and boil it very quickly. Um, in addition to that, you can you can heat materials. So, in fact, if you make a big enough version of one of these mirrors, you can actually um, heat up materials to quite a high temperature. So, if you think of all sorts of processing things you can do, you can heat them. So, essentially, this can work like an oven. Would you? Would it be hot enough to smelt? Um, it's an interesting question. I would metal? say if it was large enough and reflective enough, the answer is yes. Because um, so that would be enabling technology. Yeah, very yeah. much so. So you just, I mean, you think about, um, it's just about energy density, right? So if you're collecting enough of the sun's rays and focusing it to a nice enough spot, and it, it does get hard to make these shapes, you know, 2,000 yes. years ago, but if you could do it, then you could focus it down to a very tiny spot and do some amazing stuff. Um, the, the one thing that I would also suggest they try with this, of course, is, um, and you can do this quite easily, is um, heating water. So I'm not sure how many running hot showers they had back in the day 
The Romans oh. had uh, had hot water, but I think they actually burnt stuff for that. Yeah, yeah. So again, we're coming back to that and that very early idea of of not burning things that have been in the ground yeah. to, <laughs> yes, as, yeah. as a source of energy. Yeah. And so, if you can show them that the sun is good for not only just growing plants and burning mm-hmm. your skin. Um, and keeping us warm, um, but also for for being a sort of functional device that we can redirect in ways that we want mm. to produce you know, heat um, wherever we want it. So whether it's boiling water or heating water for a shower or cooking or all of those things or just having fun with ants. Um, <laughs> At a distance. Because <laughs> these are the ones, of course, th- there'd be small versions of this that Chris would sell yeah. out of the back of his e- magic bag. There band. you go. <laughs> then you have all of these possible options. So, so could you circumvent the Industrial Revolution with mirrors? Well, this is the idea is to sort of say, okay, how far can you go before you get to a point where you need the sorts of energy levels that um, we we want. And, in fact, if you could change the mindset to be one around solar as opposed to burning, which, as you correctly said, Chris Gappi, was the Mm. the flavour of the day, Mm. especially oils, um, then you might be able to steer them in the direction of, hey, this is more efficient, it's free, everyone can use it, there's all these benefits, um, and it's not something that's geographically limited i mean you know even i mean as solar power works everywhere on the earth even in areas where where it's not that warm that's really interesting actually because um we often think that the the move to to start burning fossil fuels was an industrial revolution thing mm. but it has a much longer history of burn stuff out of the ground produce heat yeah, energy yeah so it, it was deeply ingrained for you yeah. know many generations so now i'll just add to that because in addition to um of course taking light in from a far distant object and focusing it you can do it the other way around where you can use a you know a candle or a light source at the focus and it will send out a beam of light mm. into the distance so this could be used for signaling yes it could be used to light up distant objects you know if you've got a prison and you want to put a spotlight on someone against the wall you could do that <laughs> for example <laughs> for example um, um, theater shows but, but more to the more to the point once we have um this it, it comes back to my telescope um suggestion earlier there are two types of telescopes primarily in the world. There are refracting telescopes, which are the sort of ones you would use for high magnification, for looking at something like Jupiter and its moons, for looking at the, the moon, the craters on the moon, and looking at distant objects with great magnification. Then there's reflecting telescopes. They require parabolic mirrors and what they do is they use a very large area to collect small amounts of light from very distant objects like for example other galaxies and can create an image um, on the eye of those so it's a, it's a very different type of telescope that you can only do with parabolas so the parabola the humble parabola y equals x squared pretty powerful stuff Chris KP? Was there a um, who, was there someone important who um, was using uh, parabolic mirrors to set fire to the ship sails on ships? So this this is apparently a bit of a furphy. There is this okay. idea that the um, part of the, the Roman fleet was yes. set alight, um, and I can't remember who it was, but uh, apparently it's never been confirmed. Right. Okay. So you, you'll find it in in certain history books and that, but apparently never confirmed that it was actually done. Okay. So, yeah, but. Uh, why not? Well, again, if it hasn't happened, then I can go back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, Mind you. I'm, I'm, I'm working in, uh, in basically uh, military hardware now. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, essentially, your motivations are to go back and conquer the world. I didn't mean to. Crystal and I want to remove you know, pollution, <laughs> death, starvation, well, and Chris just wants to make money. And the bottom line is, between us, you know, <laughs> I, I think that that's a, you know, that's a balancing... Uh, yeah. Well, I think what you're saying is, uh, Crystal and I will prepare the world the- that you want to buy. 
<laughs> okay, so we get back to 2000 years. You guys can have about six months ahead of me. That's <laughs> fine. No sweat. Uh, well, okay, so okay, let, let me see if I can... Uh, well, I'm not going to promise to be able to mend my ways. Um, but uh, in, in the spirit of energy sources and stuff that was available at the time, it's very tempting to say, I'll go back with a car battery. Um, that'd be lovely. Or, or a solar panel, actually, which would be great as well. But I suspect that um, if, if you manage to get any traction with the idea of getting energy from the sun, if that became a, um, a normality, then solar panels may in fact fly at some point in some way. But that, so, so aside from that idea... I'm a very good salesman, so it is going to take on. I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> um, in fact, I might, even, I might even use you to sell some stuff for me um, when, when we get back there. I, I was thinking that you know, using existing technologies, it's totally reasonable to make a battery 2,000 years ago. Totally reasonable. Cool. Um, and essentially, the simplest forms of batteries in the form that we know them now are really just a stack. It's a sandwich, basically. Um, if you've got some copper, 